Welcome back to Own Goal Podcast, our, all of our precious little pod babies. Date of recording is September 13th. We've got a packed episode to throw your way. Obviously, we're going to spend probably more time than we should unwrapping the uh, U.S. Men's National Team World Cup qualifiers. We'll also dance a little bit into the uh, UEFA Champions League coming up tomorrow and Wednesday. Uh, we got an exciting show for you for everybody. But first... To the byline. It's in, it's in our goal! It's a gift! Oh, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. said we do have a lot to talk about on the podcast but I would be remiss if I didn't start with a story probably the biggest story in the sport that happened while we were gone and it's that last time we all gathered together I was sad borderline depressed my world was crashing down as it seemed imminent that Cristiano Ronaldo would be joining Manchester City but in a stunning turn of events where Sir Alex Ferguson intervened by calling Ronaldo. You had former players like Rio Ferdinand, Wayne Rooney get involved. What, when it seemed like all hope was lost, Sir Alex once again was Man United's knight in shining armor. And as I sit here today, not only is Cristiano Ronaldo a Manchester United player, he's already scored two goals on his, on his second Manchester United debut. And honestly, I'm just... It, the whole thing felt surreal at the time when it seemed certain he was going to Man City, and it's just it feels surreal to have him back now. Yeah, it was always something that you know people kept talking about. Wouldn't it be great to see uh, Ronaldo come back to the Premier League, Messi go to the Premier League, and they could battle it off one more time? Uh, but Ronaldo back at home at United, and it just never seemed to gain any real life traction. Uh, so it, it really did, just from a neutral perspective seeing everybody at Old Trafford lose their freaking minds uh, felt like something that you would engineer in your FIFA career mode or, or something just uh, for all time's sake. But it was it was a sight to see for sure. And, and you can't deny it definitely makes United the title favorite now. You know that that is categorically false and not true. I don't even think they're a contender. Top of the table, baby. Top of the table. But we'll talk more about Ronaldo when we get to the uh, Champions League. I just wanted to start out because, of course, we would pod, and then within 30 hours, the, the biggest news story in the sport would drop. It's kind of our MO. It was also, I think, lack of foresight on, on ourselves, and I think on me when I pushed the, the, the date for us to record because we knew that the Champions League draw was happening the next day, and we recorded before it anyways. So I, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take that one. Uh, before we jump into Champions League, although we've started to tease it twice now, uh, obviously, last time we potted, we were talking very briefly just about World Cup qualifiers coming up, the the new format this year because of COVID shortening the schedules, how instead of the regular hex, we're having the oct, and uh, eight teams, so 14 games, one home, one away, and we got our first three out of the, the gate. And in a window approaching where some of the, the leadership from the, the player side, like Tyler Adams, taking interviews saying they are going into this window aiming for nine points out of a possible nine. Um, we had a pretty quick, I guess before we jump into results, Donnie, I was curious as to 
you, you know, thoughts, emotions, uh, what you were thinking going into the, the start of the international window? I think going into it, I felt pretty, I felt kind of optimistic. I thought, man, we have this great squad of players based in Europe. We have this young talent. We have these guys with swagger. You know, I expected them to have a lot of confidence and just a lot of resolve as a group. And I was quickly proven that they both lacked the confidence and the resolve I expected them to have. Um, and that was pretty much apparent within 20 minutes of the El Salvador game. Yeah. Um, you know, I think for something that we had texted back and forth and talked about leading into it, uh, the ideal goal was nine. And what we were saying is anything less than seven points would be a failure of this window and unacceptable. Uh, now we'll get into the results and where we stand in, in a minute. Uh, but going into it, I did a little a little reading up on usually how many points per game you need to get in CONCACAF to, to be safe, and it comes out to 1.7. So in, in a three-point window, a three-game window, you ideally want to end with 5.2 points to be on on pace for secure qualification. Uh, but we're not just looking to, to scrape by and, and get a fourth place, right? We, we, or a third place, I should say. Uh, after the summer we've had, after the talent we've put out into these top places, we should be aiming to win the uh, the oct. Uh, but that's that was my, my mindset going in. Um, now I will gladly take just finish third, finish second, third, first. I don't give a fuck where you finish. Um, I just get it. I can't handle these heart palpitations. And as you said, uh, very evident. Twenty minutes into El Salvador, even more evident. Ninety minutes into El Salvador, um, pretty much. Don't need to. I think go into too much depth about the game. I, I'd call it a zero-zero snooze fest in terms of if you were a neutral watching, right? If you weren't somebody with the agony of four years ago weighing constantly over your your shoulders you we, we have a friend who's trying to get into soccer who fell asleep watching the game yeah um the players like i said they didn't look confident and they didn't look like they had any resolve and i i could tell that the moment was too big for them I, that was very obvious in the sloppiness of the play it was very obvious in just their body language the moment was too big and part of what a coach's job is for is to control that mentality of the team and control the identity of the team and we didn't have an identity for 225 minutes out of a possible 270 minutes of world cup qualifying in my opinion yeah i i also think that there were you know the moment being too big for some of these players as individuals some of them were trying to step up and and kind of take the moment uh, he'll get, I think, a lot of flack as he's already gotten, but, but this game specifically, Dest tried to dribble through four players at least five times, and it never exactly worked out. Sometimes it would be out in the final third, sometimes it would be in, in our own half. It just didn't seem to, to work. Obviously, we were without uh, Pulisic as he had to stay back with, with COVID, uh, but against El Salvador, who I, I think are supposed to be the worst team in the, the group, you'd really hope that the team with the, the, the de- talent and depth that we have will be able to move past the worst team in, in the octagon. 
I think the bigger problem is there's. I mean, it's a young team. They have they don't they don't have experience in these types of games. Uh, you know, all the all the times that they've played against Concacaf level competition has been stateside. Uh, so it's easy to to get flustered. And and you know we we had Yedlin start. We had Tim Ream. Those were our two guys that have experience. And I was pissed to see Tim Ream as a starter. And you know, the funny part was. He was probably the the one who made the least number of mistakes. I would say that he was our least worst. I'm not going to say best player because we didn't have a best player in that game, but you could make an argument he was the least worst player. Yeah. Which is um, ironic yeah. because I, I too was uh, infuriated at him starting. I had uh, I had some egg on my face there. Uh, so it is just, I think, eye-opening. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure everybody, if they didn't catch it live, uh, has seen the, the, the playback now. There's a, a firework went off during the national anthem, and like you saw Gio Reyna flinch, and and that, that was, was honestly one. that was a tough one. I saw that, and I was I, I I didn't even laugh immediately. I was like, oh boy. I did not laugh at the time. I was I was also like, <laughs> but looking back on it now, like it, that was a tough look. Yeah. So it 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 is a little concerning to see that that's the way that we we approached the first game since failing to qualify for the World Cup. But, you know, road games are, are tough. We got a point, so we didn't lose. So that seven-point window, still well within reach. Uh, not only that, second game going to play at home against Canada, a team we've handled pretty well, I'd say, over the past you know couple decades, What a team that hasn't made the World Cup since the 80s. And... This is where we get our qualifying track back on, or qualifying attempts back on track. Yeah, um, you would hope so, you would think so, but did Reyna get injured at the end of El Salvador or early on in the Canada game? Remind me. He did not play in uh, El Salvador. No, no, sorry, he did not play in Canada. So, right, he got injured at the end of the El Salvador game, so without Reyna, but we got Pulisic back. Again, I just thought that there was a lack of a cohesive identity for the team in the first half. In the second half, you had a couple of guys show some spark, and we're going to talk about these guys a lot in the next game as well. But again, Anthony Robinson, Brendan Aronson, they both showed that spark to get us up 1-0. But again, it goes back to the mentality of the team. When you score a goal, you gotta you gotta tighten everything up. You cannot concede a goal within five minutes of scoring. Yeah. And that is and again, I'm gonna say this again. Alfonso Davies is the best player on Canada team. You could argue who's the best player he's the best player in CONCACAF. Yeah, I think he is. I would also think he is, but if people wanted to argue the other point, that's fine. He is either the first best or the second best player in CONCACAF. Your entire game plan against Canada has to make sure that somebody else hurts you instead of him. But we didn't. There was on the goal, Yedlin stepped up, no thinking that his his center back, one of the center backs, would then cover him if Alfonso Davies blew by him. Because as fast as Yedlin is, Davies is somehow fucking faster. And so you could tell he stepped up. To play him tight, thinking that I'm going to have a guy to back me up if he blows by me to come cut him off. But that second guy never come, 
Davies is able to set up the goal and he has the assist. And I just, I don't understand how you can't, you, you got to stop that one guy. You got to make sure he doesn't hurt you. And 1-1 against Canada at that's, home. That's an embarrassment. Um, you know, I think you and I were worried after the uh, El Salvador game just from the insipid play that we saw from the team. Uh, but this was like actively hitting the panic button uh, with, with this result. couple of things, you know, you mentioned that we were without Urena. Uh, I'm sure we'll, you know, there's been a lot talked about it already, uh, but we were also without, you know, another key player applying his trade in Europe. That's Weston McKinney. And all I'm going to say, all I'm going to say is what's been reported as factually true. I'm not going to dive into yeah. any hypotheticals or rumors. Weston McKinney was sent home from camp for two violations of the team's COVID protocol. Uh, in one instance, he left the team's bubble, and in another instance, he had an overnight guest. Yeah. Who, in, I guess, I suppose, infiltrated the bubble. <laughs> yeah. That, and that that's all. And everything else is truly just rumors, hearsay, and speculation that I think it's irresponsible and unfair to even comment on those. So those are all, that's all, yep. in the context of our having this conversation, those are the only facts we're going to work with. And, and as a result, he was suspended from the game uh, by Berhalter slash U.S. Soccer. And then the day after the game, he was sent home uh, back, to, back to Italy, back to Juventus, before even playing of the third game, which was uh, at, at Honduras. So... Um, just wanted to point that out because uh, well, I think it's a. I think we can have a discussion okay. about the incident based on those facts. I think yeah. Go ahead. I'll let you go first. I mean, there's really two two ways of, of looking at this, right? One, it's well, he he knew what the rules were and he did violate those rules, and that's a, a selfish act to to put the team's chances at peril because of this. It's also, I think, something that, that shouldn't be lost is this guy has been away from home for a long time uh, with COVID. He has not been able to really go home all that much. He also moved to a new country relatively recently and then was locked down for like half a year, a year. So it probably was really easy to just to, to want to go out and hang out with the people that he could really connect with better. Uh, I think it's also important to understand that he's 23 years old. Yeah. He, you know, think about it. That's one year removed from college. Those are, these aren't exactly, he's not, he, he's not 28. He's not 30. You know, he, he's young. He, he made a young person's mistake. Um, and I think, I guess to kind of add on to you a little bit, different people need different things to motivate them to and, and to find their routine to perform at their best. Different athletes. And I'll give you a perfect example. Last Dance, the documentary about the Michael Jordan and the Bulls last season. What Dennis Rodman needed to perform at his best and what Michael Jordan needed were very different. Dennis Rodman needed a 72-hour bender in Vegas. <laughs> But then he would come back, getting that stuff out of his system, performing his best. My point being that, like, different athletes, they need their pregame rituals. It may, be, it may not be something you would do, but it may be something that that person needs to perform at their best. It, 
And I just think people kind of lose track of that, that not every person is the same. And just like that, not every athlete is the same. Some yeah. people need different things to unwind and to make them feel at ease, to you know play their best. And I'll also mention that Burhalter was running around Nashville. Yeah, he was running around the like like uh, Broadway Street, like the busy bar streets of Nashville, uh, running around. I'm 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 glad to hear that that's within COVID protocol. Also, with like a full camera crew uh, to to follow him. So that that's cool, man. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm glad to see that that we're really taking that stuff seriously. The bigger I mean, the big issue. I, I don't have an issue with uh, you know coach and management sending a player home for violation of team rules. Like, that's fine. you got to send a message that nobody's above above the law. Uh, but the way in which they did it, the way they like, kept everything hush-hush, um, just led to some pretty rampant speculation that I'm sure anybody listening to this podcast has actually uh, already seen, and we're not going to comment on it. But it just seemed really like an irresponsible way to potentially damage – a young player's reputation to a point where Juventus are, are having, you know, concerns with him and might want to move him. And then now our other top teams going to have concerns and yeah, sure. There, maybe there is a, a personality thing that, that needs that he needs to mature on, but it, it also seemed like whether intentionally or probably unintentionally, this led to a bit of a smear campaign on, on this kid's personality and who in character as a person, which was, I think, bullshit. Well, yeah, Landon Donovan saying, I, saying, I know what he did, but I'm not going to say it, but it was so selfish and it was disgraceful. Like, fuck you, dude. You literally abandoned your entire your team during an entire qualifying cycle. No, but Donnie, it's okay. He wanted to come back after we qualified, after we did all the hard work. And after his team did all the hard work, he then whined and cried like a little bitch to the entire media that Jurgen rightfully didn't select him. Which was proven yeah. right when we got out of the group of death and we're one Wondolowski miss away from beating Belgium. And and, and the guy that, that he brought in in his place scored. scored in the World Cup. Yeah. Um, but no, so that guy wants to talk about what's selfish and that, that was bullshit. And Hercules Gomez, I love Hercules Gomez because Landon Donovan has tried to pull some shit and Hercules Gomez is not afraid to call anyone out. And I can respect someone who will hold everybody accountable. Yeah. He's probably the only person who really publicly calls Landon out. I feel like everybody's afraid to step on that that mine. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I'll say this. Most of the time, I would agree with you. Nobody's above the team. If you break the team rules, there needs to be consequences. But also, when you just draw fucking El Salvador 0-0, like maybe we just, maybe we don't send our best player home at that point. You know, maybe we put the collective good over the individual mistake. Like, we probably, this is one of our better players. We probably, he'll probably help us win. We need to win. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I get that point, and I think I would have, I, like, I, I was fine with the, I mean, I wasn't happy about it, but suspend him for Canada, but bring him back for Honduras. That, that's, that's what I do. I don't know Weston personally, you know, I don't think anybody listening to this podcast does. Weston, if you're, if you're somehow listening, we'd love you on the pod. Um, we're big fans here. But something tells me him missing the Canada game. And then the resulting draw in the Canada game, all the fucking motivation that guy's need, that guy needs. Yeah, that that's my guess. Um, so the one that I did want to note though is you know we've got these great play these great kind of players that we've had come in the scene even before Reina really popped in with Adams, McKinney, and Pulisic. They've only played two games together uh, since twenty nine like the start of twenty nineteen. Obviously, we've we've missed some time with COVID. 
but also we've never had all three really healthy in one go. And this window just doubled that up with Pulisic missing the first game with COVID and then obviously healthy, but not, not available for team selection uh, with, for McKinney with the next two games. Yeah. Um, just so hard. It's so hard to line up all your talent, even when they are hitting their, their peak at the same time. Uh, because you can, you just can never count on everybody being healthy or available. Yeah, well said. Well said. So, moving on to the final game, the knee-jerk reaction uh, is, is pretty severe, and I would argue, and I think you would agree, not necessarily all that knee-jerk, right? Yeah, we, we failed to win our first two games, you know, home game and game at the easiest competition in the tournament, or in the competition, and a lot of us are, I'd say, rightfully questioning Greg Berhalter. Some of us have been questioning Greg Berhalter ever since his appointment. Uh, and, and even when we were getting some good runs of, of results, pointing out that we're not really playing competitive matches or top-level squads, uh, this would be our, our the real barometer. And the problem with that is it's very late in the uh, – <laughs> In the cycle of a World Cup to have your your first true barometer be World Cup qualifying, right? And I mean, the guy with the pressure on did not do himself any favors with the changes he wanted to make to the formation, to the to the squad, to the game strategy. Holy shit! So I just don't know how to say this. We started the game against Honduras with four center backs. We had a we had a back five, so you had three center backs there. Yep. You had uh, Sands in the midfield. Never again, by the way. More on that so, later. Yeah. We had Tyler Adams playing his playing at right back, which which uh, something that Berhalter tried to do when he very first took over and and you like his first couple. Uh, goes with Berhalter, he put Adams in at right back, you know, trying to do the fucking Philip Lom thing. The reverse Philip Lom thing. Yeah, yeah. That's Which, nobody does that, by the way. Everyone always puts their best fullback, who's so good, he becomes a midfielder. Nobody takes a good midfielder and then tries to make it a fullback. Like, that's what's most upsetting about this for me, <laughs> is that if we were trying to do the Philip Lom thing with, like, a fullback with a lot of potential, you know, I may not hate it. But you don't do a fucking reverse Philip Lom. You don't take one of your best midfielders and say, you know what? What if you would play you at right what back? If, what if what if we what if we remove you from the creative part of the game? And uh, Bella was at left back. And so coming into this, a report uh, actually tweeted by a friend of the pod, Roger Gonzalez, CBS Sports, was that the coach- does great work, by the way. Yeah, he crushes the qualifiers. If you guys, if you guys are interested in, uh, well, in European soccer, but also with uh, kind of uh, solid reporting on the U.S. Uh, national team, but also the players of the U.S. national team when they're back with their, their clubs, uh, he's a must-follow. Yeah, completely agree. He reported something that I can only describe as disgusting, <laughs> repugnant. He wasn't disgusting. It was, no, no, not it was, Roger. Yeah. What he reported. Yeah. Sacrilegious. Honestly, immoral as far as I'm concerned. That our coaches, that our U.S. coaching staff had a problem with our fullbacks. Probably our most snacked position group. 
because of defensive concerns. Gooby, you scored one goal in 180 minutes. We have a lot of offensive concerns. <laughs> and I, this particularly upsets me. Well, let's let's not forget the one goal we scored was assisted, was assisted, by, assisted a, by a fullback. Yeah. Yeah. A guy who is a hot hand right now. It's Andy Robinson. So hot right now. So that just blew my mind. And look, I get it. Sergio Dest is not a defensive fullback. He is very much an offensive fullback, and I can appreciate that. But Anthony Robinson is a complete package player. Absolutely killing it in the championship right now, which we know is not, you know, the most prestigious league. Better than the MLS, though. Yes. uh, Before we get into the dissecting of our coaching staff's thoughts on our, our uh, fullbacks. I want to revisit that form, that formation that uh, MLS Greg threw out there. As we noted, we played four center backs, right? We played three uh, in the back three, and then we put one in the midfield, a midfield of two. We had, we had one actual midfielder playing in midfield and gave him a center back in Sands to play with. Then we had obviously our, our wing backs, uh, and then we had our, our front three. And oh my god, it's amazing how when you a vacate your midfield to only two players and one of which is not a midfielder, b put your best midfielder on the squad at right back. It's incredible how you get dominated in the first half in the midfield. Yeah. We could we could we couldn't feed our strike. We couldn't link up or feed our, our, our attacking players. We couldn't defend in the middle of the field. <laughs> Sands couldn't stay on his two feet to save his life. I think in the first half he had more fall downs than he had forward passes. <laughs> Sands necessitated a new stat introduction called fall downs and something. I think honestly he was standing in quicksand. And we went down 1-0. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we, I mean, we, we went down 1-0, and we easily deserved to be down 1-0, maybe deserved to be down 2-0, and we did not look like we had any chance at, at, at scoring one of those elusive goals that we've been struggling to do. Can we also revisit back in the Canada game how we're tied 1-1, we need a goal, and MLS Greg doesn't make a substitution until like the 80th minute? Yeah, yeah, I think that is important to revisit because, uh, so just to remind everybody, we scored against Canada in the 55th minute. Uh, that was a great Aaron Robinson, uh, <laughs> Brendan Aronson, wow, I was missing, Brendan Aronson goal, just like an easy, I mean, tap in, but off of a great kind of pressing play that he started, and then we had a little team play, and then Anthony Robinson had a, a great little cross from the fullback position. Uh, that that Brent Aronson tapped in. We kind of thought, okay, this is what it's supposed to be. Seven minutes later, Kyle Laren knocks knocks one in where there was, you know, as you mentioned, Yedlin steps up on him uh, and then doesn't really have any support against the fastest player and the best player in CONCACAF. That's a concern. Brooks doesn't pick up Kyle Laren running in the box. That's a concern. Uh, too much ball watching from Brooks this entire window. And... Uh, after that Canada goal in the 62nd minute, they they, they come alive. And they dominating are the game. dominating the game. Um, and 
Greg waits until the 80th fucking minute to make subs. Gooby, you just got you just we just got equalized at home, and even if you'd waited 10 minutes after the goal that we conceded, that would have meant making the subs at the 72nd minute. Yeah, I mean, I would have subbed it right after we left the goal, but okay, let let the guys play a little bit, make the fucking subs at the 80th minute. You're you're giving your impact difference makers 10 minutes to get into the game. It takes and it takes at least 10 minutes for a sub to get into the game. From your, when you're it sitting was, on the bench cold. It was brutal. And, I mean, the biggest concern and issue we've had with MLS Greg is his inability to make tactical adjustments in-game. Uh, and this was a perfect example. You know, maybe if, if it was 1-1 going into halftime and Canada had been dominating, he would have been able to take the time to think, to breathe, and to, uh, to make some changes at halftime. But when the shit goes south in the second half, I don't think he has what it takes, the, the you know, mind about keeping his wits about him. Uh, but obviously we want to jump back into Honduras. Back to Honduras. We're now down 1-0 one at halftime. And it's looking bleak. And MLS and everyone praises MLS Greg for making three substitutions at halftime. My issue is we can't praise someone for making substitutions that fix the mistake he caused in the first place with the just most absurd starting lineup imaginable. The mistakes, what he fixed at halftime is how we should have started the game. Anthony Robinson just had an assist for you. Brendan Aronson is your leading goal scorer in World Cup qualifying at that point because he's the only one who fucking scored. Those guys should probably start the next fucking game. Yeah, and you bench, you bench both of them. Uh, Anthony, as we said, most informed player we have, honestly. Uh, Brennan Aronson, did, he struggled in the very first game that he played, but he was great in the second game. And to, to reward him with that, with, with the bench spot, because in, in the reason it was a sacrifice to, to make his formation work, that fucking five in the back formation, which really screamed to me what we see, you know, Trinidad and Tobago uh, line up or Cuba line up against us when they know they're going into playing a technically superior team uh, and they want to defend more and more and, and just kind of survive the game, which was a kind of appalling and brutal to see the U.S. men's national team take that approach in any CONCACAF game. Yeah. And... <clears throat> By the way, we finally get Ricardo Pepe to start a game in this Honduras game, but with just literally no... The setup around him is just made for your striker to do nothing for 45 minutes, the way that first half was set up. Any striker would have failed. It's hard to be a striker with no midfield. Right. And not like not a knock against Kellen Costa, who you know I think does a lot of the dirty work and does it well for the men's national team. Yes, he does a lot of the stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. But deserves praise. He stops a lot of counterattack with his, but not just his interception of the ball, but holding up a guy, making a guy slow down so everyone else can catch back up. He's he's also great at the shithousery. Yeah, that you want on your team. So at halftime, Anthony Robinson comes on for Bello, um, Sebastian Legett comes on for Brooks, and Brendan Aronson comes on for Josh Sargent. I I, I don't understand how Sands stays in the lineup after that first half, by the way. Yes. And immediately, 
Craig realizes his mistake because in the third minute of the second half, Anthony Robinson scores. And from then on there, with Anthony, with Robinson out there, with Brendan Aronson out there, the entire team is starting to play. Pepe scores a goal assisted by Yedlin, who gets subbed on later. Brendan Aronson scores himself, assisted by Pepe. Legette gets a garbage time goal, because of course he does. And in that in that that half, that 45 minutes against Honduras, we looked like a team. We looked like a team. A um, couple unfortunates. Six-second minute, uh, Pulisic gets subbed out of the game. Uh, probably, what, four, five minutes before that, he took a, I mean, one of the many hard challenges he took all window, but especially in this game. And he had to be, you know, had to walk off to the sideline, get the magic freezy spray. And even when he came back on, he was limping and hobbling. Took him about, I think, five minutes, four or five minutes to get a ball played to him. And he made a sprint with it and, you know, couldn't couldn't keep possession of the ball and had to immediately had to get subbed out because he, he could not go. And, you know, great to see the, the fight and the, the effort he clearly pushed. He did not want to leave this game. He wanted to stay and fight with the U.S., especially as being, you know, one of the very few players that was involved in the failed window last time. Yeah. But a bit of a concern seeing him go out, obviously. I think Roldan came in his place. Uh, I'm fine with that being, you know, Roldan coming in in that situation. So that was a bit of a bummer. I'd say the other bummer is we looked good enough in the second half to the, I think, paper over uh, people's thoughts of how Greg handled the entire window, which was nowhere near competent enough. Agreed. And I think I think there are other federations where after that second game, after that draw to Canada, they would have said, just internally, we're going to let Greg see out this window because it's just two, three more days. And then after that, we are going to bring in somebody to do a better job steering this moving forward. That's not the way that, that you know, if this was a year, uh, if Jurgen Klinsmann was in charge, that's exactly what would have happened, uh, but not with... Well, that's what did happen. Yeah, that is exactly <laughs> what um, Except he actually and, lost to good teams in Concord, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, the, the, you know, obviously I, I always want the points over not getting the points, uh, but there was a silver lining that we might have been able to, to, get rid, to get rid of Greg and bring in somebody a little more competent. Um, obviously, that's not going to happen, and we just need to really hope that we can. Can we need to secure? Yeah, it, it, it's it's a tough place to be right now because the only way that we're going to get a better coach is if we don't do a good enough job. Uh, but that is not to qualify, and that is not a price that I'm willing to pay. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, so I think. If you're a, if Greg thinking logically, you walk away with this game with a few guys who are automatic starters with the qualifier, and I'm coming up in about a month in Austin. Anthony Robinson is an automatic starter at left back. Brendan Aronson is an automatic starter in the attack. Especially, especially when you consider the the words out of Dortmund is Reina will be out for a month. So. I hate to hear that. Obviously, he's had a great start to the season at Dortmund, uh, and he's a 
critical player for us. But it's, I think with Reyna healthy, Aronson still needs to find a way onto the, onto the pitch with him and with Pulisic and with other players that we'll name shortly. Uh, but especially knowing that, that Reyna's probably out, there's no way you don't have Brendan Aronson in the squad. I agree. In the 11. Um, and, I, and I mean, especially with a striker, you got to play the hot hand. And 18-year-old Ricardo Pepe is the hot hand, dude. I cannot believe it's taken this long for you to, to finally get into Pepe. I know you mentioned his name with the goals and the assists, but... He was awesome. Wow. 18-year-old guy coming out of FC Dallas. Just another one of their products, cranking it out for the national team. And, I mean, he looked all the things you want in your number nine. What surprised me the most in that second half was his ability to hold the ball. His yeah. hold-up play was... Just a shock for me. I mean, he's got a guy draped on his back, and he's holding the ball, dishing it out to his mid or wing, and then turning around and getting involved in play. He was incredible. He was fantastic. Also, um, kind of going back to before the the games actually started, there was a lot of questioning. Um, sounded like both U.S. and Mexico were making pushes for him to accept a call-up in this window for either squad. And we were getting, you know, some reports that he was definitely going to Mexico. Other reports that seem like he's actually not going to Mexico, but going to go to U.S. Maybe he's declined both to, to wait and make a pick. Um, and so when when we were, when a when we saw him in the actual qualifying roster, that was a big win, and we knew we need to get this guy some minutes, right? Get him yep. ties a little different now with uh, under twenty ones. Uh, so even if you're cap tied in a competitive game. You can request some sort of uh, formal transfer, but it takes like a year or over a year. So knowing that if we got him cap tied in, in this window, the only way he could leave us for Mexico is if he made the decision that he wanted to be ineligible for the next World Cup, or like, like that was basically what what it would have to be. Yeah. So so we knew get him some minutes. Perfect. Zero minutes uh, in our zero zero against El Salvador. Zero minutes against Canada in our 1-1 draw. And this is a guy you can bring on when in two games where you need a goal. So it's, all, it's all he's been doing for FC Dallas. He, he can't stop scoring for FC Dallas. Yeah, it's like his it, – it's absurd. And a reporter asked him about, you know, why is he not playing Ricardo Pepe? And his answer was, we just have not been able to get into a situation or a scenario where we can bring him on. And it's like, dude, have you – I mean, I realized that – I realized what he meant by that, Donnie. MLS, Greg doesn't use subs, so they haven't been able to get him in the starting lineup in the first two games. Therefore, they haven't been able to get into a situation where Greg can get him on because he doesn't like to use subs. That's clearly it. Yeah, that is just absurd. Um, Pepe is awesome. Uh, I'm so glad that we have a Mexican-American star on the team as well because I think that is going to open up so much, such a huge talent of uh, recruiting for us. But, you know... Sometimes, in games like this, there's something to be said about the being the eight, the young one of the the youngest guy on the team at 18. Of you know what, like kind of having that almost like he's too dumb to be. Ner- I'm not saying he's dumb, but it's like almost like too inexperienced. He's too inexperienced to know that he's inexperienced and to be nervous the way some of the guys who are 22, 23, 24. I mean, those four or five years are enough to where it's you know it matters. Where it's like he looked every bit the part. Of the U.S. number nine, and I just he fills me with a lot of hope going forward. Yeah. 
Now, sadly, I have a feeling that there is zero chance that the three guys we just named who need to start in October 7th against Jamaica, there is zero chance, in my opinion, that Robinson, Pepe, and Aronson all start, even if all healthy, just because that's just sort of the sort of guy MLS Greg is. Good news is there's no way Pepe doesn't start at healthy. Like, I love Sargent. I'm one of the top Sargent fan club fanboys out there. Uh, but after this performance, there's no way, there's just no way that Pepe doesn't start. Uh, my concern is, I, I mean, Anthony Robinson was our best player uh, across all games, and he got one start. Uh, Brennan Aronson, like I said, struggled in the first game, but good in the second two. Maybe our second or third best player, honestly. Uh, it's he, hard to give. He is technically our leading goal scorer in World Cup qualifying. No, Pepe is. Pepe only scored once. I thought he had a brace. He had, a, he had two assists. Uh, Robinson scored, Pepe scored, Aronson scored, Legette scored, and Aronson right. scored in Canada. So you're right, you're right, you're right. I was thinking, I don't know, you know what? I was I was giving the Robinson the Anthony goal in my head to Pepe because of how great of a volley finish that was. That's disgusting. Anthony deserved that goal. No, I don't deserve that. How dare you? No, but here's why: that was a striker finish. That's yeah, why. dude. Fullbacks, I mean, are, fullbacks are the most complete players on a team. I I, uh, I have said this for. Probably three, two or three years now, as I've anointed myself the head of fullback union, knowing I have never played a minute as a fullback myself. And, and, and like, if we go back five years and, like, ten to five years ago, you'd always think about how, like, you, you know, defenders are useless. Uh, no, 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 no. I've always said center backs are useless. <laughs> and, w- and when you play four of them in a game, you kind of prove my point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I think all in all, uh, pretty underwhelmed with the the performance. Obviously, didn't get enough from our players for three you know, over over three games to, to be stoked. I think your criticisms of Greg mirror what a surprise. My criticisms of Greg and, and mirror our concerns about his what it lacks going in uh, into this, and that's just hasn't been bolstered. So I'm I'm concerned about our next window. Uh, I think we we have our first our first game is a home game against Jamaica in Austin. Uh, so Donnie and I will be going to that game. Yes, uh, please please follow the Own Goal Pod Instagram account for live um, for uh, stories of us. Yeah, it'll, it'll be the live. first uh, first podcast game that we're at. Yeah, so we're and, very and excited. Hopefully, hopefully, live shots of us celebrating and not drowning our miseries. Well, I've, I've, I watched us play Jamaica in the Gold Cup with the um, – so I so far have never watched us lose against Jamaica in person. <laughs> so if we lose, it's your fault. You've also never seen, seen us have a commanding performance against Jamaica live either. I haven't seen us having a commanding performance on TV in a while either. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm agree with you. I'm pretty nervous. I'm tentative. I just kind of – the biggest thing I always hope for with us – is kind of <laughs> that we can be like France in the sense that our player personnel can outperform our coaching um, deficiencies. The way the French national team often outperforms Didier Deschamps. Yeah. Uh, also, I'd like to be like France and win the World Cup. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you there, buddy. Yeah, that'd be pretty sick, dude. <laughs> France is a really dope. And not a coincidence. They have really good fullbacks. They just, yeah, yeah. That, 
The right fullback spot is there for the taking, in my opinion. The right fullback spot? Yes. For France or for us? For us. Why the fuck would yeah. I talk about France? I was just in an analogy. <laughs> that's, that's why I got confused here. I, I don't see them on the rundown. Uh, I, yeah, I'm... I hope, honestly, the... Okay, the biggest gain we should get out of this is that Pepe is our starting striker. That should be the biggest gain. Yes. I hope the second biggest gain that we get out of this is realizing Greg's love affair with moving Dest to the left side has failed. Yes. And we need to stop investing in that experiment. Yes. Just to, to, we need to stop sinking more capital in that, right? That, to me, is why we haven't been getting uh, Anthony is to make room for Dest, and then after that, because Greg's an idiot and doesn't trust him, so I guess it's a bigger problem. But if Dest is going to play, it has to be on the right, and I'd say it's a big if. I think Joe Scally needs to be called into camp. Uh, he was Mönchengladbach's player of the month for the first month of the Bundesliga. He's stepped into he's, he's a natural right back, but has stepped into left back to help with an injury. Had a really good game against Bayern. I think had couple, another rough game in, in there, though. Uh, but I think he should come into camp and give Dest a run for his money. Obviously, we've got guys like uh, Reggie Cannon that, that play on the right as well and, and a few other options. But I'd like to see Scally push Dest. If Dest can't commit defensively, then he needs to you know have uh, maybe a role as a substitute for the time being. Uh, he could be an uh, a fullback sub when we need an offensive push later in the game until he can commit to the Also, defense. if we have injury concerns with some of our attacking players, he could also just play as a fucking right winger. The guy is offensively supremely talented. Nobody's yeah. denying that. I think he yeah. might have the best first touch on our team. Probably. Um, I'd also like to see us... So, I'd like us to um, also call up Brian Reynolds to camp as well, in addition to Scally. Is Brian a right or left back? I believe he is a right back by trade. Okay. But maybe he plays both. I think he's a right back. No, not the baseball player. The American soccer player. Thank you, Google. Yes, yeah, seriously. Yeah, he puts yeah right, right back. back. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Just because... Just see how he does with the team. See, you know, he's, he's getting good training every day. He's staying in shape. Just bring him in. Just because you bring someone to the camp, you don't necessarily have to start him. But bring him in. Bring like, honestly, bring like four or five right backs and bring in Robinson, and we'll be okay. Just see what they do. Maybe make a team out of the right backs. Maybe not. But maybe one day. I think the other thing, not not to just drag this on too long. Um, going into this, we were all convinced. You know, Brooks has the experience. Brooks is playing well for Wolfsburg. Brooks was bad in the two games he played. He was not – it's hard to say – You know, the goals we, we gave up were, were kind of a real team commitment to give up those goals. Yes. I'd say you can't really blame Matt Turner, uh, but there were turnovers, there was lazy defensing, and then Brooks both times was guilty of ball-watching. Which is a problem, um, especially for somebody who's not fast. Like he, you know, he, he's a position-based defender, yeah. and to fall guilty of ball watching twice is, is problematic. Like his focus wasn't there, so you know, we might be at the point where Miles Robinson is more 
firmly, at least in Greg's mind, that for sure probably more firmly the starting center back. Uh, good to see Mark McKenzie. Uh, not really, you know, he had a rough go in the Mexico game in the Nations League final. So bad. So he he recovered a little bit from from that. You know, I don't recall where he was on the Honduras goal and and, and how involved if if at all. Uh, but it's good to see him out there. Chris Richards got that loan uh, from Bayern back to Hoffenheim. He's already been been getting starts for Hoffenheim since then, now that we're back from the international break. So I'm really hoping that he'll have, you know, just a string of, of starts and salt performances to where he gets called into the uh, the national team next window too. Yeah. I think that'd be uh, pretty dope. Pretty dope. All right. Any final thoughts or should we jump into the Champions League real quick? I think we covered it all there. Why don't we just jump into the Champions League, talk about the groups, talk about our predictions, you know, the good old stuff. Yeah, let's go. All right. Well, Group A did not disappoint. Um, it is, well, this actually, I feel like American teams really got screwed in their groups for the most part. And when I say American teams, I mean European teams with American players. Yeah, for sure. Group A, you got Manchester City, Paris, St. Germain, Leipzig, and Club Bridge. Moment of silence for Club Bruges. Yeah, damn. They are going to be the whipping boy of that group. I think and, in four games, yeah. I think in four games, I'm calling it now, City and PSG will put up a combined in the four games they play against Bruges, 14 goals minimum. Uh, the bad news too is if Bruges, you know, does a good thing and sneaks some points out of this group, it's going to come at the cost of Tyler Adams and Jesse Marsh and RB Leipzig. Yeah, that's just... There's just no way that anyone but Man City and PSG are getting out of that group. Yeah, I agree, unfortunately. So, that group, it'll be pretty... You know, before Ronaldo went to Man U, there was a possibility of seeing the Ronaldo-Messi in the group stage of the Champions League. Thankfully, that didn't happen for obvious reasons, but... Will be fun to see Man City and PSG clash twice. It'll it'll be kind of cool to see Messi against Pep, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. The storylines there. <laughs> um, you want to lead us off with the next group, buddy? I, I might be biased, but if we have to pick a group of death in terms of all four teams can cause problems for the other teams in the group. And all four teams can get out of the group with let, you know, not all as good of odds as each other. But I have to go Group B as a group of death. I think so Group B is by far the hardest group. It's only fitting that this group have Atletico Madrid, Liverpool, FC Porto, and then a lowly team from Pot 4, Milan. So good news is, after seven years uh, away... In the dark, cold dungeons of uh, financial despair and managerial ineptitude, Milan have found their way back to their rightful home, the Champions League, or the top competition in Europe. Also titled Seven Years a Slave, AC Milan's Crippling Financial Debt. Yes. Uh, interesting fact. Everybody knows Liverpool and Milan have a history. Uh, Milan blew the... The biggest, probably the, the biggest blown game in Champions League final history, for sure, uh, costing them the title to Liverpool. 
we did get revenge on Liverpool two years later in, in, in the final. Uh, we have never played at Anfield. So, it's, you know, because all, all the our, our two matchups in the Champions League were in the final at neutral sites. So that's interesting. Also, the last team Milan played in the Champions League and the one that kicked us out seven years ago, Atletico Madrid. So a fun little wrinkle. And then, oh yeah, we've got Porto, who are no no strangers to the Champions League and have impressed, uh, obviously, back with, with Jose in 2003, but but even recently upsetting some teams and, and knocking some people out. Juve, Ronaldo's Juve last year. Yep. So it's a tough fucking group. I, I, Anfield is a tough place to play. Yeah, and I... And I have a feeling Atletico is not exactly an easy place to play, especially when you're going up against the master of the dark arts himself. Yeah. And Diego Simeone. Um, so I'm a little concerned. I, I'm worried that we will not qualify for Europa League consolation. So that's that's a bit of a bummer. That's a tough group. Also, I guess... We have to add here that Antoine Griezmann is back at Atletico Madrid, who basically put Barca in debt by selling him for an exorbitant fee with exorbitant wages, and then got him back for not use that money to buy Jao Felix, and then got him back for pretty much nothing. Yeah, yeah. That that they good news is he didn't apparently he didn't look good in his first game back. Uh, bad news is we don't play them for I think another week or two, so they'll probably have time to settle by then. Uh, our first, our first game, Champions League, is Wednesday at Anfield. That's they couldn't have given us a home game for our first time. You know, it's I mean, built, go into the pageantry a little bit, please. Yeah, that's gonna be a tough one. I'm I'm worried. Um, I'll leave with my predictions here. Atletico and Liverpool advance out of the group. Yeah, I like Milan a lot. I have a lot of respect for them. But I think it's Liverpool and Atletico, like you said. Uh, I just think that it, that's a lot in the first season back in the Champions League. And it's a re- minus the strikers, it's a very young team. I mean, that, so that that's a Wednesday game. And that... Let's see here. We've got that game at the same time. Atletico-Porto, same group. I think that's going to be a good game. And then there's a fun little rematch from last year's group stage. Same day, same time. Enter and in, in Real. We'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, sorry. I, I was just wondering. I mean, it just the the Wednesday two o'clock time slot is sto- is the stacked basically. So Group C, I think this is actually one of the more open groups in my opinion, where I think there's yeah. a plausible case that any team could at least finish second. <laughs> I, and I mean, let's not let's not go ahead and crown Dortmund as running away with this this uh, group. If there's anybody who's shown that they they have potential to bottle uh, good and sure scenarios, it's Dortmund, right? True, true. I just think that Holland will always give them enough goals to. So this group is uh, Dortmund, Ajax, Besiktas, Turkish Super League club, and Sporting. Reigns, the reigning champions, right? Reigning champions who had a unblemished season, I believe. For in, in, in the or did they lose one? I don't know. They either lost zero or one. They had a they had a great fucking season. Yes, 
No, 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 no. They lost zero, and I think Porto lost one game and didn't win the Champions League chip. Which, that's fucking brutal. That's comforting about Porto. Oh, yeah. Porto's also very good. Um, yeah, do they have Pepe? He's always going to kick people. <laughs> so, I think there's going to be a lot of really evenly matched games in this group, which I'm excited about. But I do think in the end, it's going to be Dortmund and Sporting that get out of it. Dude, come on. Is that who you my hot take. My hot take was going to be that I think Ajax is going to finish last, and I'm taking Dortmund and Sporting. No, I, I, I don't think it's a hot take. I think Sporting is a really good let team. Let me, let me take Sporting first. Oh, that's a hot take. So you want Sporting Dortmund? Yeah. Okay. So I'm excited about how, uh, how open this group is, just because I think every game in this group will be entertaining to watch. I think. Because no one's going to get shit-pumped 4-0. And I think it'll come down to the final day. Final match day. Yes. You, know, you, you, might have, you might have number one team already advanced and the, the bottom team already eliminated, potentially, but I think probably not. I think you're going to have everybody who's going to play for the final day. Yeah. All right. Group D. And of course, yeah. these two teams, I feel like, always get the easiest group. Real Madrid. Shakhtar Donetsk. Inter Milan, and first time in their in the Champions League group shape, Sheriff, Tiraspol. Quick reminder for those from who followed this competition closely last year: Real, Inter, and Shakhtar were all in the same group last season. Um, sucks for Shakhtar, although although obviously no, Inter sucks for Sheriff. <laughs> okay, first of all, their bad, their like little emblem is like a sheriff's badge. It's kind of cool. Yeah. It's kind of cool. But they are going to get fucked all the way back to Tiraspol, wherever the fuck that is. Yeah, um, they they're going to need to call the sheriff because a crime will be committed uh, against them. Yeah. So this one's an interesting take because obviously you have Real who are going to. Con- Contend. Um, yeah, Karim Benzema just had a hat trick and an assist, by the way, against our <laughs> beloved Celta Vigo. You have Inter, who are the reigning Serie A champs, had an incredible Serie A season, but bottled their Champions League group last year and ended in fourth. Right? They ended they ended well behind Shakhtar, and I forgot who the other team was in their group, but whoever it was, Inter finished below them. Now, Inter sold Akimi. Sold Big Rom, uh, brought on the perennial uh, small game player, big game bottler, Chalinoglu. I think I'm going to take Ray Allen, Shakhtar. Wow. I like that. It's a homer pick, but it's it feels right, and I can look myself in the mirror. I, I, I think my, my biggest complaint about Chalinoglu has always been he never shows up in the big games, whether it's for it was for Milan or Turkey. And I'm gonna say it sticks here for Inter Milan. All right, I think Inter Milan will progress in the group, just because of Sheriff Terrace Ball being there. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think Real Madrid will beat every should beat everybody. Also, I'm gonna after this bold take, I'm gonna go back and put Dortmund first, Sporting second on the last group. Okay. <laughs> No, I mean, I like it, and you're right. They did finish last in their group. Um, 
last year when they had a better team and a better coach. So I like your logic. So Group E, which would have had every team start with B, but Dinamo Kiev ruined it. Bayern Munich. Can we call them Dinamo Kiev? Yes, can we call them Dinamo? Bayern okay. Munich, Barcelona, Benfica, Dinamo Kiev. Um, obviously, Bayern Munich is one of the favorites for the Champions League. They're gonna get. They're gonna go out of this team first. And I still think that Barcelona is gonna be good enough to get out of this group and go second. Memphis Depay. Yeah, is Memphis is Memphis is killing it for Barcelona. Fucking too. He is it. playing really well. I'm I'm same as you. I'd say we we get Barca dropped. You know, maybe early in the knockout rounds, but they're gonna go through. Yep. Um, group F. Interesting little group here. Yeah. Manchester United. Yeah. Villarreal, who faced off in the Europa League final in the world's longest penalty shootout, and was unable to beat United in regulation. Well, thanks for that. Uh, Atalanta and Young Boys, where U.S. striker P- uh, Pifa Jordan Pifa, yeah, Pifa plays. Um, so it's a spicy little group. Yeah, it is. There's a little, obviously, recent history with United and Villarreal. Uh, then you've got Atalanta, who always seem to have some great firepower, and they reload every year. Um, and now they're you know this is what their third straight season in Champions League, so they're they're building some experience. So, I, but I mean, also Villarreal, that's uh, Unai Emery's team, right? Mm-hmm. He's uh, done some good stuff with them since getting the boot from Arsenal. Probably uh, since he kind of ended up the better for that. He he won the breakup. He won the breakup. Uh, he's 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 dating like a Instagram model and Arsenal. He's, he's an influencer. He's an influencer. He's he's dating like a very attractive Instagram model or influencer, and Arsenal is dating like a a dude. Arsenal. Who, a Arsenal, dude. Sing, Arsenal single. No, 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 no. Arsenal's too insecure to be single. <laughs> They're dating a dude who lives with his mom. Oof. Yeah, it's a spacious basement, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, big basement for Big Al. And great hair. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, United now have Mr. Champions League. This is true. After a recent acquisition. Yes. Uh, they have 10 great players on, on their match day 11 and Fred. I'm taking the top of the group. I have no doubt they top this group. My real hesitation is in picking second between. It, this is a this is the hardest group to pick. To between, pick, in my opinion, I, I unfortunately do not think Young Boys have enough firepower to make it out of this group. No. It's between Villarreal and Atalanta, who I like both of them for different reasons. Mm. And my concern is Atalanta may be a better league play team Mm -hmm. than a tournament team but the group stage is a little bit more like league play in the first place right but Villarreal have shown that they you know at least in the Europa League can can really go toe-to-toe and get results so I think I'm going to take the the Europa League finalists to come out of this group United and Villa all right I'm going to take Atalanta to finish top of the group and I'm going to have United finish second. Atalanta, the team that you thought was going to have uh, a rough league season and, and finish, miss top four, right? Yeah, but 
I always pick them opposite. I always pick them to either do well in the league and bad in the Champions I League. I always remember saying, you know what? They're right. I'm going to Villarreal now. <laughs> but no way I'm picking United to top the group. We didn't get out of the group last year, even though we beat PSG. I just don't trust United. Even yeah, with that, this Champions League. That, though, it, was, it wasn't the fact that you guys missed the Champions League uh, group stage, you know, in a group with PSG and, and Leipzig. It was how it was done with where the points were dropped that was problematic. But you didn't have Ronaldo. True. And, like, you, 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 we've seen the impact he's already had. Not just the two goals, but the fact that the team has already stopped eating the custard before games. <laughs> yeah, I mean. But, you know what? I think we all agree Luke Shaw is better with a little cushion for the pushing. So maybe... Luke Shaw eats everyone else's custards for him. That's, that's a lot of that's a lot of uh, extra cushion, though. Yeah, but it's fine. That's I mean, here's 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 my theory. Was the custard pregame uh, introduced by Wayne Rooney? Was that his uh, lasting legacy with Man United? He brought in the custard. Dude, Wayne Rooney is eighty percent custard, probably. I, and, and and Ronaldo, while he was a superstar in his first stint, didn't have the uh, the, the the sway to to get the leadership, the seniors to overrule Rooney's uh, preferences. But now that Rooney's gone from the club, obviously, he's been able to come back and write what he's seen as one one perceived wrong. Well, I think it actually works out because Rashford can then send the uneaten custards to the children of England and continue feeding them. <laughs> so really, everyone's kind of benefiting from this. It's basically, it. the custards will be split between Luke Shaw and the children of England equally, though. Like five custards to Shaw, five custards to the children of England. One for you, one for me kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that concerns me. Also, the Shaw assist to Ronaldo was probably the, the happiest I've been in a long time. <laughs> what were you happier with? That Shaw assist to Ronaldo or when Ronaldo announced that he was coming back to United? Ronaldo announcing he was coming back okay. to United. That was, that was unreal. Okay, um, Shaw assist to Ronaldo or Ronaldo post-match saying, I belong to Manchester United? Ronaldo post-match saying, okay, okay. I belong to... Wait, do you have another one? So, so this, this Shaw assist to Ronaldo was not the happiest you've been in a long time. It was the third happiest I've been in a long time. Yeah, those three all happened pretty quickly. <laughs> That's all kind of one event for me. Gotcha. So we got Group G coming up. I think this is a very fascinating group. Why I think, think, honestly, this is the most open group. Yep. We got Sevilla, yep. obviously, of La Liga. Uh, Salzburg, RB Salzburg out of the you know, Austrian Bundesliga where our boy Brendan Aronson plays. Uh, Wolfsburg from the Bundesliga. And then Lille from the sixth best league in the world, uh, the Uber Eats League, eh, yes. where our boy Timothy Weah plays. Yes. Three we Americans. Three Americans in this group. Yes. Obviously, Wolfsburg, I didn't give the call out, but John Brooks, that's, that's where he is. Yes. I like Sevilla and Lille. That's what I'm going with. Yeah, just a feel or anything kind of building off. I think that. Sevilla are probably the best team in the group, player for player. Um, Salzburg, I don't know if they're going to have the defense to play a little bit of a higher offensive talent. That's where they, they have concerned me. And Wolfsburg, I don't know if they have the offense outside of the Bundesliga to compete with some of these teams. I think Lille, after Sevilla, I think Lille is the most balanced team. Reigning, reigning league uh, champions. And reigning league on champions, so I expect them to have a little bit of swagger. 
So, so I'm with you in Sevilla. I think it's the most talented team. You know, what are they recently been just like perennial fourth place in, in La Liga, which is nothing to, you know. I mean, they're losing out to Real, Atletico, and Barca. Yeah, we, I mean, we always knock on La Liga, not because of the talent at the top of the table, but the middle and bottom of the table. It's got three, perennially three of the top teams in the world. Every, yeah. Every uh, so being up with them, and, and they were they were not far off the final, uh, the, the competing for the title. There was a but, there was a possibility with four or five batches to go where Sevilla could have won the title. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I agree with you there. I like you know me. I like my homer picks. Hell yeah. Um, I am going Salzburg to finish second. Ooh. So yeah. So Wolfsburg was, will for sure finish second because neither of us picked them. Um, I think I think we'll yeah that's for sure. And I'm picking Salzburg not because of my concerns with Wolfsburg, but because of my concerns with Lille. Lille finished top last season. That was a great great finish for them. I think the season before they were they, they were in the same Europa League group as uh, Milan. So this is I, I believe going to be their first Champions League season at least in a year, maybe two or three years. I don't quite recall. We see a lot of times when you have a surprise title winner, uh, the following season, they can struggle in the Champions League. We mm-hmm. saw it with uh, uh, Leicester when they had their incredible run. Uh-huh. My other concern with Lille is they had, uh, you know, last season when they won, they had their goalie, Mike Magnan, who led all top, you know, five, six leagues in clean sheets for the past two years, uh-huh. left to Milan. They, they've lost a couple of their key attacking and defensive players, you know, just in the natural raid at the end of the season after a great season. Sure. So I, I just – I don't think they have the firepower oh. uh, to make it out of the group. So you and hate Tim Way? I love, I love my boy Timmy, but – kind of sounds he, like you hate him. He missed this last win, this international window. He had to, he missed the call because of an injury. Like he, I'm worried about his, his ability to stay fit. Oh. Can't, you can't help the team if, you're, if, you're, if you can't play. Best qualities availability. In many, many fashions. Indeed. All right. I like it. Move on to, I believe, our final group, Group H. Group H. We got Juventus, Chelsea, Zenit St. Petersburg, and Malmo of Sweden, where Zlatani Ibrahimovic started his career. Yes. Uh, when... The fans are not happy. The Malmo fans are not happy with Zlatan uh, after he took a minority ownership in a different Swedish team, uh, I think, last year. So that's, that's kind of an interesting little tidbit. They they tore down his statue in front of the stadium. <laughs> yeah. Were, they were pissed. You kind of undersold that one. Oh, they were not happy with it. They were fucking pissed. <laughs> you know, minor rioting uh, a little bit. How do you, what does it feel like to have a statue of yourself taken down? That's got to be kind of a weird feeling. Yeah, and it's like I mean, he he got he bought a stake in a in a, in a, in a team in his home country. Like it's not like he outed himself as a horrendous, horrible person. Yeah, it's not like he's yeah yeah. So Group H, I think when the draw hit, was like, oh wow, this is one of those heavily lopsided, clear two favorites. Group sure. H, Chelsea going through. And then something happened. League play. League play started, and Juventus has been... Would you care to 
amend my uh, description there? Uh, no, I think you nailed it on the head. You guys look like dog shit, dude. <laughs> they uh, three games into Syria, they have one win. Nope, I lied. They have one draw. My bad. Yeah, I was gonna say and, they have no wins. They have one draw and two losses. The first loss is actually the worst one. That was a one nothing loss at home to recently promoted Empoli. That's rough. Their second loss was just this weekend, and it was uh, at at Napoli. And um, Napoli's a good team. That that's fine. Um, well, not really fine if you're Juventus, but I enjoyed it. So come, now when I'm looking at this group, I still think I mean clear reigning champions Chelsea after they bolstered their squad the way they did, far and away favorites to win this group. And I think I'd be an idiot not to make that pick. Yes. And what I thought was the other given of Chelsea moving on, I'm tempted to think about, or not even just move on, I'm tempted about Zenit, you know? I don't think Momo has much of a chance. I think it's going to be a close and nervy, uh, final few games for Juventus, mm-hmm. but I do, at the end of the day, think they will edge out Zenit. I agree with you. I think if, like, you could get it, if it was a Sporting instead of a Zenit, a Porto instead of a Zenit, a, a Wolfsburg, you know, that next echelon of team, Villarreal, I think Juventus would have been in huge trouble. But I just think that they'll, they'll be able to figure it out enough to uh, just about get through. So, Eric, which I would like you to name three teams, and one of those three teams will win the Champions League. What are the three teams you'd go with? Okay, so I'm picking three, and only one of them have to win it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm saying, like you're, you're like the three favorites. Like one of these teams for sure will win it. All right. Um... Can we alternate? I name one, you name one, I name yeah, one, yeah, yeah. one. Okay, cool. What if we have some of the same ones? Which we might. You, you want me to name the first one? I mean, I'll go with the first one. Nobody reloaded like they reloaded, and they didn't spend, spend any money doing it. Uh, PSG are an out-and-out favorite, and I think it'd be stupid to say that they're not one of the three. I completely agree. I'm also taking PSG, but I will then name an additional one since we have that same one. Okay. Um, I think people are sleeping on these team a little bit, but Bayern Munich. Mm-hmm. They have one of the best players in the world, Lewandowski. When everyone is fully fit, they have one of the best teams in the world, player for player. Um, I'll throw Bayern Munich in there as well. All right. I will name my second team. Better make sure it's a team that I picked to advance out of the group. <laughs> <laughs> I think... If a La Liga team is going to win the title, it's not going to be Barcelona. It very well could be Real Madrid, but I'm going to go with Atletico Madrid as one of my three teams. Wow. I like that pick. I like that pick. That's a good pick. For my third team... I'm just left with the team. I'm ready to go if you want me to just take this one. You can just take it. It's going to upset you. Well, my pick's about to upset me too. Well, mine's going to upset you more. There's only So that means I'm going to say Manchester City and you're going to say Liverpool. Nope. 
You're not going to pick Manchester United. You're a piece of shit. Pick, I'm picking Manchester United. You're such a piece of shit. There's no reason why to pick United. That makes no I'm sense. going with Ronaldo. I think the story, it's, 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 it was written by, by the script writers. By the football gods themselves. Yeah, well, can they try, can they maybe write a story where the next World Cup isn't built on slave labor? Because their story's they, been kind of bullshit so far. I wish they could, but the soccer gods are honestly shitty entities. They really are. And no, I don't think... This, it's just that even the soccer gods can't stand to the power of human bribery. <laughs> um, so the reason I'm not making this pick to piss you off, and I think this only happens in a situation where... Most of the like top crop competition knock each other out, and United only have to go up against one or two of them in the knockouts, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, I think if we get some upsets, uh, or like you guys draw Barcelona and in the future rounds and avoid a PSG, uh, until so I think that's that's the scenario. Um, and then we get Ronaldo into the semis and he just fucking takes over, like. We're not losing this. Uh, okay. You don't know Fred is still going to like start for the team. Even in that scenario, Fred is there. Like That's what that's what really... It's, it's not that so much that the pick upsets me. It's that it disturbs me. Because you are, you are, you, you are my partner. You are my podcast partner. You are a man whose opinions I respect. But you want me to now swallow this opinion that a team with Fred in starting midfield... Is one of your three teams of one of which will win the Champions League, and you pick Fred. Well, I like underdogs, Donnie. Well, there is no bigger underdog than Fred. <laughs> let me assure you, Willie. Because I, I think Milan in our group it would be more of an underdog, but also I had to pick somebody that I thought was making out of the group. So really, it's going to be a bad look for the podcast if one of these fought, if one of the two Manchester clubs, Bayern Athletic or PSG, don't win. Man, your teams are so much more likely to, to go through. Yeah. That's that's why I, I I I mean one of the reasons I do very poorly in these is I really pick with my heart a lot of the times. I usually try to pick against the, my teams <laughs> because then I kind of it's like a hedge, right? I'm either right, which I do love to be, <laughs> or you're happy, or I'm happy, which I'm unfamiliar with, but I think I like to be that too. But I think you like to be right more sometimes. There is no doubt that I like to be more right than that. That is 100% a <laughs> fact. All right. Obviously, I think at the end of the, you know, we'll, I mean, we'll be potting throughout this, but then we'll, we'll do another reset, you know, like Champions League special at the end of the group stage when yes. the knockouts are drawn. So between then and now, we'll be potting just about uh, league, you know, league play, Champions League midweek play and then during you know the the winter we have the next uh, international break coming up less than a month we'll we'll report on our experience at the uh as as the own goal podcast at the u.s men's national team versus jamaica game yeah and we should we should make up oh i wonder if we should make little hats i'm gonna look into that ogp yeah or like use like our little logo or should we make like fake press credentials and try to get you know kicked out of the game no, but I really want to go. Damn it, I kind of want to do that too. I'll look into it. I'll, I'll see what our options are. Uh, right. I'll look at the, the press credential, uh, you know, uh, forgery thing. You go the uh, the the other route that lets us enjoy our seats and watch the game. Yeah. It would be weird if uh, 
my girlfriend and your wife had to watch <laughs> this game by themselves uh, with each other, but without us because we got booted for yeah. <laughs> on on Emma's birthday, maybe maybe I should rethink this. <laughs> also, what a sick brag by Eric at the end to let the listeners know that we get laid. <laughs> As always, uh, thank you for putting up with us and listening to Own Goal Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Own Goal Pod, on Instagram at Own Goal Pod, and you can email us Own Goal Pod at gmail.com. Bye. It's in, it's an on goal! It's a gift! Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car.